This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Black lives matter. White lives matter. Blue lives matter. Skip Lacombe with the Blaze Radio Network, broadcasting live from Mercury Studios in Dallas. Uh, We're having a prayer vigil tonight here at the Blaze Studios here in Dallas. If you are anywhere in the area, feel free to come on down at 6301 Riverside Drive in Irving, Texas. 6301 Riverside Drive here in Texas in Irving. We're going to be uh, on the air for a couple hours tonight. We're going to carry some of this uh, vigil, and uh, Doc Thompson and myself will also uh, bring you up to date with all the news. If you do want to call, we will be taking your calls later. It's 888 or you can tweet at us using the hashtag WhatILearnedToday. That's what we usually use during our morning radio program. We're going to go outside now where Doc Thompson is already speaking in progress. In anger, it's not going to do anything because I've already done that over and over. But you understand, my natural reaction is to react that way. And then I had an epiphany. It's their natural reaction to act that way as well. So wrong and right, philosophically for a moment, put that on hold and realize, even if we're right philosophically, perception is reality. And people that are opposed to some of the things that I've said in the past believe that they are right. If they believe they are right, then nothing I can say or do will ever change them if I'm still acting as I've acted. Perception is reality. So what is the way forward? I believe this is it. Is leading with love. Because love leads to trust. And trust to communications and conversations. And there's where we can express our ideas. That maybe our ideas are better. Maybe theirs are. But if you believe in your ideas, you only get to share them with a willing audience and change their hearts and minds once they are listening. And they're not listening. And I'm not listening. This is the way forward. We've got to decide. Are we going to do the crap we've already done, or are we going to do something different? This is different. We lead with love. We lead with faith. And from faith, conversation. And from conversation, understanding. There is more common ground in this nation, in this world, than not. I firmly believe that in the high 90 percentile is common ground, but we keep focusing on those single issues because they want to divide us. There are people who benefit and profit from dividing us. Right now, all over the world, there are people who feel just like you feel and just like I feel. They may have different ideas on how to solve their problems, but you know what they want? They want the same thing that every child wants when it's born. They want to stand in warmth and sun, and they want somebody to put their arms around them, and they want to know that they're loved and accepted. That is a universal truth for human beings. We all want this. We all need this. 
And then we go through our lives as adults saying, I have to go to that job I hate. I don't make enough money. I can't pay my bills. What if I get fired? How am I going to put my kids through college? What about my sick child? These are things we all think about every day around the world. People in the Middle East, in Moscow, in Rio today, in Parma, Ohio, they're all thinking and feeling the same things. We just have to reach them. We have to put down our sword and put down our shield and sit down and say, I'm willing to try to understand you. That is the beginning of knowledge, and that is the beginning of changing our nation. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Glenn Beck. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for anybody who's listening on the Blaze Radio Network and the thousands of people that are watching on Facebook Live. I just wanted to bring you up to speed on some of the things you might not have known today. Um, yesterday, actually, right before the shootings here in Dallas, um, uh, one woman was dead. Um, a man got out of his car and just started shooting people in the streets um, because he was upset at the police violence. He's alive. One woman is dead. In Baldwin, uh, Missouri today, just outside of St. Louis, a 30-year-old guy, same thing, upset. Um, was pulled over by a police officer. The police officer got out, and uh, he started walking back towards his car, and he was shot in the neck three times. He's alive, uh, thank goodness. And in Georgia this afternoon, a 22-year-old called 911 and asked for the police to come, and when they did, he opened fire on them. Um, our world is spiraling out of control, and we... Uh, we are blessed to live in Texas, where there are churches all over the area that are having vigils um, today. And we thank you for coming and just praying with us and spending a few minutes with God, because we know that um, that is the only answer that is left. I want to introduce you to Falma. Falma, she's my um, adopted mom, and she, is, she comes and she is a prayer warrior for us, and she prays with us an awful lot. And uh, I thought she could lead us in prayer today, Falma. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, good. He's giving me the liberty to say something. I want to say I feel like a mother in Israel. The mothers in Israel were concerned about the nation, and they always carried the burden. And a mother in Israel doesn't spend nights in bed sleeping all night. They sleep less. And next, next this month, I'll be 70 years old, and I'm enjoying not sleeping the unrest that I have for this nation. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to a prayer vigil. Mercury Studios in Dallas being hosted and established by Glenn Beck. It's Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe on the Blaze Radio Network anchoring coverage tonight of our special, The Summer of Rage. Glenn Beck has warned us of The Summer of Rage for quite a while. And I know you're that crazy guy. What the hell is he talking about? I don't know if it goes full Summer of Rage. But we're off to one hell of a start, and by hell of a start, I mean an awful start. There's something different right now. Something different is going on. I hope for the better in the long run. But this is different. I've argued in the past that Mike Brown, the the shooting of Mike Brown, was justified. I still believe that. I've argued that Walter Scott in South Carolina was not justified. I take them on a case-by-case basis. And I would hope that people would recognize me for the content of my character. 
But you see, they can't. I've realized the breakdown is they can't take me for the content of my character because they're not hearing the content of my character. All they hear is the sensational things that are said, some of them satirically. We all face that every day. And I know you're tired of this. I'm tired of the race division. I'm tired of the race battles, the battles over gays versus straights. I'm tired of all of this stuff. And I've been fighting hard for years, over a decade, passionately trying to change things. And although I'm not giving up in my convictions, my ideas, my principles, my values, I realize they may need marketed a bit different. How do you reach people who are not listening? You got to get them to listen. Are you listening to people that you are passionately opposed to? Of course not. Neither am I. I see the nutty tweets and, and messages from people like Nancy Pelosi and I, oh, geez, look at this now. I'm not listening to any of the nuanced why she got there. Yes, the ideas of progressivism and, and liberals, they're wrong. I'm not changing that. But in order for me to tell them, to explain it to them, to teach them, we have to start someplace else, and that's where we're at. Doc and Skip live from Mercury Studios, Dallas. We're joined by, uh, by Ty Johnson, our buddy who's uh, producing out of New York tonight. Ty, you and I had an email exchange or a text message exchange a couple nights ago before the, the shooting of the police officers in Dallas with regard to Alton Sterling. And you had even, um, I believe, uh, tweeted at us as we were covering the, that story. And you had some interesting thoughts on it. What is, as a black man growing up in America or living in America today, are, are we missing something? I mean, what, why is it not working for us? I, I believe that um, part of the reason why it's not working is because generally the subject gets ignored. Um, part of the reason why I gave you guys a lot of credit was before on the conservative side, on, as far as the right, you guys were the first ones I heard talk about it. And this was a full day after. So the whole day went by where it was basically ignored and you guys decided to actually discuss the topic, period. Okay. I, so first, so first of all, there's the, um, the bias of omission, right? We're just not going to cover the story. That's the that's, feeling. Okay, okay, that's the okay. feeling. And with that feeling comes well that's where okay well does my life matter as much because if it was the 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 belief is if it was a white person killed on video a similar way Mm -hmm. you would absolutely have talked about it that next day right away for sure no doubt and so would fox and everybody else on the right would absolutely cover it but when it's a black person there's a lot of qualifiers well i'm not sure let's wait yeah what's interesting about that ty is you're, you're probably right about that, about most of them, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, how I determine what stories I cover, and I'm going through that metric in my head as you're saying it. I was more likely to cover it if it was a black man because I knew it would be something that would be controversial, that people would be upset either way about. I would, if it was a white man, just assume something happened. It's not going to cause any outrage. Right, so but other people would. Yeah, that. exactly, which is, is interesting. I'm, I guess I think differently from, from people when it comes to that. You know what's sad, though, Ty? Skip and I have on shirts right now that say all lives matter. What a nonsensical argument we have been having over Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. I mean, how silly. <laughs> when you think about it, we're, we're both saying somebody matters, something matters. I know the argument on both sides, but really arguing over this is pathetic. Well, it's taken a long time to get to this point. 
for a number of reasons. But now, it whether we think it's a good fight or a bad fight, it's a fight. And the question, and hopefully maybe this show can be a step towards a change to where every, where, to get to the point where everyone believes that that's the case. Because I can tell you from experience, from talking to black people from social media, mm-hmm. right now when you say that, what black people see is all lives matter. matter but us. Right, right. And, and, okay, and, and that's a difficult thing for people to understand on the right, that you're, they're hearing that. Because I'm like, no, don't you understand? I'm saying all lives matter. I don't want to notice your race. I mean, I'm not going to judge you by your race on a daily basis. I just want to say, hey, it's my buddy Ty, right? And here we go. We're going to go to launch. Hey, Ty, you wanna... and your life matters. My life matters. Whatever. I mean, that, that's what we're saying, which is so troubling to white people or people on the right because we're saying, guys, we're, you're included in this. We want, and yet on your side or people that are black quite often, you're saying, no, you're not recognizing we mean that there's some problems that we want addressed. Is Am I right? It's, it's that, and I think that there's a feeling that when you say that, you're, there's no black person around, literally or figuratively, so you're not talking to us because we don't have a seat at that table. And Amazing. I, and the thing is, um, I know there's been big fights about is diversity a strength or is diversity not a strength, and I feel like if you make people do things uh, with diversity, I don't think that solves much. But I can tell you that if there's a room with, in my opinion, 25 uh-huh. white people, and then, and then you add me to that room, uh-huh. what's said and how things may change about black people after they talk to me within that group, I think it would change. I think there would be a difference before and after. Whether the person was racist or not, so is diversity a strength or not. And I think that without interacting with one another, these things are going to continue. Absolutely. There must be interaction, but many times, and again, the right, I'm not saying is guilty of this, but if you just looked at the right, the thinking would be there's less diversity on that side. For example, look how the Republican Party bent over backwards to say, look at us, we got a black guy and some Spanish guys on the stage, and they right. all lost, and they bragged hard, and they lost. Meanwhile, the left has a black president, and they're mm-hmm. bragging about one black guy and two Hispanics being on stage that all got destroyed. You know what's, you know what's funny about this? Type? This really is a, just a, a simple miscommunication here. This really is. Because first of all, let's all be willing to throw out the extremists. There are extremists on both sides in every camp or whatever that you're like, yeah, you know what? There are some outright racists out there. Let's just throw them out of the group. We're not talking about those knuckleheads, Okay. Get rid of those. We're talking most people, Mr. and Mrs. America in this, right? I don't think most people in the minority community understand. I've been to so many tea parties and stuff. Do you know why they are so happy to say, Ted Cruz is Latino. Look at this, Marco Rubio. We got a black guy too. We are so happy to say that, not to pretend like we care, but because then maybe we don't have to get beat up and called racist. Because so many of us aren't that we're like, hey, that's you know great. I... That you're like, okay, good, you're represented. There's a woman I met in the Tea Party movement named Karen um, over the years when I worked at WRVA in Richmond. And she's a wonderful lady. And she called me I don't know, a year after voting for Barack Obama and said, I, I regret my vote. She was just misinformed about, you know, politics and whatnot. And we became friends and she started going to Tea Party events. She is tweeted like gold there. Not because she's token, but because people are like, oh, thank God we have reached other people and you know we're not racists. That, I mean, it's, it's a relief for us. 
But even, I'm sure it under, on the other side, you misunderstand. Even, even the film we put together, Intolerable, I mean, we... Uh, many of the interviews in there is of a wide variety of cultures. In fact, when we were producing it, we kept thinking, wow, we need to find some more white people. Are people going to think we right. intentionally Stacked just that, talk yeah. to the people, uh, peoples of co- people of color? Right. So, I mean, we were actually struggling to make it not seem as we, though we were doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, I'm sorry, Kai, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I, I, I get it. And well, I will say, for the record, that um, that it things are will probably continue to move in the right direction, but I think in a lot of places, the thinking is on the right, they don't even want us there. And then right. the right are the ones who support police. So then when police, if, the, if it. it all kind of goes hand in hand. And while we like to think there's more compartmentalized, I think these things all kind of run together. And Amazing. they kind of stack on top of each other like a pyramid rather than really be breaking apart. Well, that's different and that's different. And I think it's going to take time. And dialogue to get there, but what it can't, but there needs to be compassion on both sides. And I feel, I know for a fact, the black community does not feel with these particular African Americans that were killed this week. There was compassion from the right, but there was absolutely, and and I think there should be, and there was absolutely compassion for the police, and there sure, should be. Sure, but sure. the feeling was, where was that one-sided. compassion when we it were all once Right, it's all one-sided. And, and it's because we each get pissed off when we see one of these stories that affects us, and we put up the wall and we start leading with our sword and shield again. Instead of saying, wait a minute, let's take these case by case. Okay, let's get a quick break in here, and then we're going to come back with some of your calls. 888 no, 900 no, no. oh, We actually uh, don't have the break here. Only oh, okay. The oh, okay, no problem. Okay, I thought we had a break there, so I was a little worried about that. Uh, phone calls, though, 888 900 I want to hear what you think about this. I mean, are we wrong? If we're wrong, tell me we're wrong about this. But if you're going to tell me we're wrong, then you give me another way forward, and it cannot be the same stuff we've been doing. I guarantee you, there is nobody angrier than I. Skip, my lifelong friend. Is there anybody angrier than I? No. <laughs> I mean, I can work myself up in seconds over this stuff and be indignant and incensed if I can say, all right, I'm willing to put this on hold. I'm willing to put this on pause. I just want to explain myself and I want to hear you. Well, that's the thing is I, I, I just want a solution for this. I mean, I, if it takes going into uh, minority communities and, I mean, prostrating myself and just trying to have a conversation, what is it going to take? I mean, meet me halfway, though, is the only thing I ask. Let's figure out what we can do to solve this crap. Right. Again, it's not working. Uh, if I can say one thing, I, I can give you guys a quick example of uh, how things are just different sometimes. Sure. Um, I'm running this morning. I run most mornings. I'm a bit of a runner. And um, from what? From who? Just just <laughs> running. Oh, okay. Hey, oh, Ty, turn yourself in. Turn yourself in. I'm just running. Not the way. <laughs> and there's a police officer there in my town, in between two blocks. And while I'm running, it pops in my head: Do I run past the cop, or do I loop all the way around the corner? To avoid the cop, basically, before I get to the cop, I take a left, I come out, and when I come out on the other side, I'll be behind the cop car and keep on my way. And that's something that actively enters my mind, mm-hmm. real or not. And today, with the climate, I chose to go around the block. Well, yeah, you don't know if he's going to be checking your hand for Lucy's, right? I, you just don't know. And the thing right. is, I don't think that cop was going to kill me. I'm but not a criminal. Be potential for trouble. Just a, So my thinking is, okay. don't even... 
go near it. Ty, that is something that I bet a lot of people don't understand, and I, I get it. I, that must suck. That I don't have to worry about that. When I was talking about how, how people are so tired and afraid of being called racist, a lot of white people are. I had a similar story I shared uh, on the mor- on our morning broadcast last week. Or is that no? That was on uh, Pat and Stu's program. Listen to this, Ty. You'll love this. Skip and I are in Dallas, and we're we're put up at a hotel while we stay here. And I went running. Same thing, running around town. It's like 112 degrees, like a meteor hit Texas, right? I'm, I eke out three and a half miles, and I am whooped. And I keep thinking the last half mile, I'm just going to jump in the pool at the hotel because I'm so hot. And I get in there, and I am so exhausted even walking in there. I sit down one end of the pool outside of it, you know, just on the little, little bench there. And I put the towel, grab the towels, and I put them in my hands, and I put my head in my hands. And I'm like, I'm so exhausted, so tired. You know what? I'm just too tired to even get in the pool. I'm just going up to the room. I can't even get in the pool. Well, the problem is there was only one person in the pool, and it was a, a uh, black kid, I don't know, 8, 12, somewhere in that range. And his parents were sitting down at the end of the pool outside. Now, they saw me walk in, get the towels. Obviously, I'm going swimming. I sit down there a few minutes. He's down at my end of the pool. I stand up and start walking out. And as I start walking out, as I'm passing, then I'm like, oh, crap. They're going to think I didn't get in the pool because of the kid. Because there's a black kid. I'm worried that they're thinking I'm a racist when really I'm just tired. So then I start trying to explain myself on the way out. I start trying to make conversations. Probably I pass. makes it worse. Probably, <laughs> right. I'm going, I'm going, hey, I'm really tired. Well, I ran a lot. I'll see you later. And, and honestly, I think they probably went back and went, mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. Yep, he didn't get in. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I would know, you have thought that? I, I, I would have. I wouldn't. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't okay. have paid it that close <laughs> okay. attention. I, wouldn't, I don't pay that close attention. Now, okay. I'll tell you what, had you got on an elevator and then all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden got off the elevator because that's happened oh. to me in my life, that one I would have said, yeah, all right. Okay, buddy. Okay. Okay, right. I'm going to rob you in the elevator. Right. right. I, you, you think I don't have a room at this hotel. Hit the but, floor, right? Yeah, but, I mean, but a pool, no, but I, but I do know black people who would think that. And I think, I, I mean, there's no doubt that there are black people that are hypersensitive sure. to racial situations, and I cannot deny that. But, but I, I was – and that's not even blaming them. Like, they, 99% of black people may not have thought that, but I was worried that they would think it. And I'm like, guys, I'm really not a racist. I just, you know, like every day I feel like I'm defending myself. I'm like, really? I'm not one of those. You know what I mean? And, and that's sh- something we have to battle. And I'm sure that, get, that gets tiring. And the feeling that you're being watched at stores and stuff like that, that kind of thing gets tiring. I think both sides have their different um, – the, you know, burdens that they have to bear. I think the difference is the feeling is that black people will be more harshly punished. I see. Yours would be an inconvenience and an embarrassment while mm-hmm. ours, we could lose our life. You know, and Skip and I kind of understand the, um, the being watched at stores because we're shady looking characters. So, I mean, we walk yeah. into a place, they're like, okay, wait, security aisle seven. We're going to watch them watch there. All right, I think this has been at least uh, fairly productive, and hopefully um, it'll continue to be. Uh, Skip and I are covering this live special radio broadcast, the Summer of Rage, and what we hope doesn't become full-fledged rage across the country. I fear tonight, uh, in retaliation for what's happened over the last couple days on one side or the other, that there's going to be some really bad stuff go down tonight. I hope I am wrong. I want to get your calls coming up. 888 thirty three ninety three. It's 888 thirty three ninety three. Join us on Twitter. 
It's at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Of course, we'll still use the hashtag what I learned today if you want to get some in just as a metric for us to find you. Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe on this, the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Blaze Radio Network. Doc Thompson, Skip Lacombe on the Blaze Radio Network, anchoring our coverage of the summer of violence. We're hoping that that is something we can we can stave off if good people come together. Your calls now, 888-900-3393. Let's start off in California. And Mark, Mark, you are on the Blaze Radio Network. How are you this evening? Good. How are you doing today? Uh, we're, we're doing okay. We're trying to get this done and come up with something, Mark. Does any of this make any sense? Well, um, it's, we sit back, I'm 55 years old, had to hesitate because time goes kind of quick and we <laughs> see so much going on. And it's, 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 I, I look at things in multiple levels. It's kind of like playing chess. There's a lot of pieces to the game and there's a lot of moves that go ahead and being able to accomplish something, we have to understand what all the pieces are doing. Um, as they're doing them independently. And I'm seeing a lot of things. One thing that concerns me is when this happens at the time of Hillary Clinton's highlighted lying. Um, I don't like the distraction. I, I get nervous that we're being distracted when these things happen frequently um, of times of what's going on in the government that we need to really keep an eye on. So the American people multitasking um, on different problems is um, an issue on one side because one of the things that are biggest problem is our checks and balances have been downsized to being eliminated to there's no funding for it. And that, I would, yeah, and Mark, I, I understand what you're saying too. You're right, distractions because I mean, you know, watch what the other hand is doing. I mean, we know this. Mark, I would say this, and, and by the way, thank you so much for your call tonight. I would say this, um, you're right about that. Watch for the distractions, you know, pay attention, keep doing what we're supposed to do. But if we can solve some of, of this, it will no longer be the distraction. See, if you're right that this is being used as a distraction, uh, perpetuated, uh, put in motion in the first place because it's a distraction, if that's the case, then they are using us as pawns. They know that they say something and I will react and somebody else says something and they will react and they just keep ping-ponging it back and forth. It's an automatic win and go-to for them. Well, I for one have had enough. I'm tired of being used here. I'm smarter than that. I'm not what the uh, the left would have me believe or have you believe about me. 
I'm tired of being painted that way, and I am going to do what I have to do. We solved this problem, and they can no longer use this as a distraction. The Hillary Clinton email scandals or the things that Trump has done in the past, we can finally say, no, we're staying focused on that stuff. 888 joining us now uh, in someplace, parts unknown, Manhattan, I believe. It is at StuntBrain on Twitter, Michael Palka. Hi, Doc. Hi, Skip. Hi, Ty. Hi, everybody. Where are you at? Where are you at now? I just got back to Midtown. I spent three and a half hours with uh, Black Lives Matter. And um, how was that? Well, you know, Doc, it was irritating and encouraging at the same time. I I was I was probably one of six white people surrounded by four or five hundred people of color. And I'm in the front row taking video of everything. So every yeah, that's time not, they re- that's not suspect. Well, every time they reference a white people, they would point to me. So it was a little <laughs> nervous at times, you know. So, so you know, the guy'd be up there talking to me like, so uh, you know, if if you know a white person and he's like, like this guy, this me, guy right here, yeah, yeah. Like, this guy right here. But uh, I'll tell you the thing that disturbed me. The most was a comment, and I have some pretty raw video of it, of an older white gentleman saying that he wanted someone to go visit the officers in Dal or the officers who ever shot a black person no. and deliver that same justice. And uh, uh, half the crowd reacted and said, "No, no, no." Really? And there was yeah, there was a smattering of applause. But the most important and enlightening thing was a 14-year-old girl who stood up and really said, look, it's not about white people. It's not about the cops. She talked about the police with passion and intelligence. And I thought, wow, this is the hopeful part. This is the really good part here. But there were, there were uh, people of color who were saying, we need to stop spending money in white establishments, in Muslim establishments, only spend them with people of color. And that sparked arguments as well. But it was about a two and a half hour argument with individual speakers. Uh, I've got much of it on video. I'm going to try and cut it up and, and I'll try and get that one really offensive line from that older white guy who wanted somebody to go kill an officer who killed the black person. It really was. That was frightening. You know, it's funny, Mike. I can even in no way condone or justify that, but I can understand how a person could get to that point. I mean, we don't know what that man has seen in his life. We don't know what he's experienced. I see people on the right that have have been frustrated and seen horrible things perpetrated on them as well, and they've gotten to it. So I understand how they can get to that point. Our job now is to try to figure out a way to get them back away from that to figure this out because that is not the solution. But, you know, when you said that half the crowd reacted in a negative way and I react with surprise, I'm not surprised that half of them or more or most of them think it's wrong. I was surprised that so many of them reacted and vocally said, no, that's not right. That's what is encouraging and I was surprised by. Well, I think New York has has earned some uh, some props for how they've been handling protests. The the big leaders of this protest, and they were getting ready to march downtown when I left, because let's face it, it's raining, and 
after three hours in the New York hot sun rain, it doesn't mix well with me. But uh, the, the leaders of it were saying, we can't push violence. We cannot push violence. And there were several women speakers who said, all lives matter. We have to get to that. It has to be important. So I, there were some really interesting and promising moments today, as well as there were some disturbing moments. You know, Mike, I could almost, after speaking with Ty and trying to understand this, I could almost get behind the, the phrase, Black Lives Matter, if presented the right way and it didn't represent the craziness and political ma- maneuvering that goes on with it. That I can give you your due. Yes, of course, Black Lives Matter. The reason I say all lives matter is because I'm including blacks in that. I, I truly believe this as, as a human being. This is who I am. If you're saying black lives matter in an effort to say there's some stuff going on here that maybe people don't know, we need to shine a little flashlight on, okay, I'll give you that. But already that narrative, black lives matter, is a, is a fail. It's like it's, been, it's already been tainted by a lot of bad activities and probably some misunderstandings on the other side. But it's tainted. Tea Party is tainted. Occupy. All of these things are tainted now. Well, and you you know what I found interesting? I'm going to go on a a little side trip here. Guess who showed up at the uh, Black Lives Matter protest? Some of the old occupiers. No. Oh, they, they were there. And the occupiers and the communists were handing out literature, encouraging people to hear their message as well. It, it barrel, really is some, well, it's something Glenn also brought up a long time ago. He said they will all get together to unite. And, and there were people openly talking revolution. There were people openly talking total revolt. But, but I have to feel good. I really have to feel good that free speech was respected. The police were actually respected, really respected. And they, they stood on a, on a wide perimeter and didn't do anything, just let everybody have their moment to speak. And I, I, was, I was proud of New York for that. Mike, there is, a, there is a very teachable moment in what you just said in that if you've got people handing out literature that says join the communists and join all of these extreme, extremely bad uh, organizations or, or ideologies, they are going to find supporters because... At this moment, Americans are thirsting to death in the desert looking for any drop of water. They are so, so thirsty for some change to stop all of this nonsense that the guy who shows up and promises change, they are going to listen to no matter who he is. And if that guy is handing out communist literature, they're going to take it and start buying that crap. So we need to stand up and say, no, we have the change. We know how to get there. It's about love. And a couple of people said that, and I hope that message will carry. I really think that that, that message will carry if enough people keep repeating it. All right, Mike. Keep us posted if anything else goes down and you see anything else in New York. Is it over there? Or is there going to be more tonight, do we know? Uh, there was a report of a march from 110th Street to 125th Street in Harlem. Uh, but I, I actually took a break. If it's going to go down, I may wander over there. If it, if I hear it's happening, I will let you know. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. Appreciate you joining us there. Oh, uh, Doc, yeah. I'm going to, uh-huh. uh, just for the record, tomorrow morning, uh, Pure Opelka, we're going to have some of the audio from tonight uh, in the park. I'm going to clip okay. some of these statements as well so folks can tune in 
starting at six. six to nine. Oh, six to nine yes, a.m. Eastern time. Um, if you yes, uh, you need us at all, let us know, and, and we wish you well. Keep us posted. Thank you, guys. Take care. On Twitter, it's at StuntBrain. Mike Opalka, the content ambassador. Content? Contempt ambassador. He's certainly not content for the blaze. Yeah. Um, earlier today, something particularly disturbing happened, and that was two officers were shot other places in America outside of Texas. The reason it's particularly disturbing is because at least one of them, I think it was the one in Georgia, somebody called in a uh, need for a police officer, a robbery, whatever it was. Uh, the police officer arrives on the scene and the guy shoots him. The whole point was just to get the officer out there so he could be shot. And then uh, there was also a, a shooting of a cop in Missouri. Um, there were some other bomb scares and evacuations and whatever. Uh, this is bad, obviously, if you're shooting more police officers, but my fear is that this is escalating into that summer of violence that Glenn warned us about so long ago. And tonight, tomorrow night, could be the linchpin to this. We may look back and say we should have done more at that time. It's Friday night in America. It's a hot summer night. This is, tonight, prime season for rioting. People don't riot when it's 40 below. They riot in the summertime. Look at back in the history of, of race uh, riots in Detroit and Cleveland and places like that. When when were those fires? Summer. Exactly. Look at Ferguson, too, and Ex- all, the, summertime. all the crazy stuff we had last year. All of it was occurring during the summer. Right, no one wants to be outside when it's cold. Seriously, yeah. that's what it is. That's part of it. Plus, it's Friday night. People don't have to get up for work tomorrow. And all they have to do is see a little success. And let's face it, there's a lot of knuckleheads out there that just like to be a part of the experience where people are going bonkers in the street and it's more about a party. If they see that happen, whether it's Buffalo or Miami or Portland, Oregon, you could see the stuff go down tonight. That's the reason we're trying to stave this off. Uh, fortunately, in the uh, in the situations in Georgia and Missouri with the uh, police officer for shot, they um they are still alive. Good. The one in uh, in Baldwin, uh, uh, Missouri, is uh, is fighting for his life right now. Is still in critical condition, but at least um, is still holding on to life. Ty talked about being afraid of police officers, whether it's rational or not this is something people go through and a lot of white people don't understand it i imagine today police officers are going through something similar if you're a cop today and you're out on the street how does it not cross your mind that extra little bit everybody could be out to, anybody could be out to get me right well when i was outside at the vigil a little bit earlier i um i saw a couple officers i made a point i wanted to walk up to each of those officers and shake their hands i've wanted to i was hoping to see a cop all day I just wanted to shake their hand and thank them. See, if I'm a cop, I don't want to see you coming up to me. That's going to be <laughs> yeah. like, uh, swarm, swarm. As ground. I was walking up to one of them, you can see he was a little nervous. Nervous, a little bit nervous there. All right, back to the phones, 888-900-3393. Let's go to Oklahoma now with Justin. Justin, you're on the Blaze Radio Network. How are you this evening? Good, guys. How y'all doing? Um, first and yeah. foremost, I do believe in the All Lives Matter. I'm an Army veteran, friend of law enforcement. Um, thank you. Do you think that people will stop with calling cops as you know more excessively racist when they start using the armored vehicles and snipers for these next protests coming up because if you're law enforcement i mean you you were you were praying there would be a sniper on a roof last night to end that situation swiftly that's a really good point and this goes back to that escalation back and forth by the way regardless of how it starts let's forget who's right or wrong in any situation on a side like this once something happens and you react to it People are going to justify it by saying, okay, they shot cops, so now cops go on more on guard. We're going to have to have armored vehicles and snipers out there. And the other side says, oh, you, you killed this guy, so we're going to, you know, forgetting going back to who well, was you know, originally at fault. get hit every time also. 
I mean, uh, so the sniper's there for everybody. That's right. That's right. I mean, the, right. the innocent the people that night. were injured and are laying in the hospital right now from last night, the lady trying to save her kid on the curb, had she was out there peacefully just watching the protest, wasn't even protesting. I bet she was praying that there'd be a police sniper to save her life. Yeah, you're right. Well, that's the, the, one, so. the one thing I will give police officers, and thank you so much for the call. I appreciate the support, um, that I will give and remind people about this. Yes, there are bad police officers out there, undoubtedly. <laughs> I've had a few run-ins <laughs> with them myself. I have, too. I mean, seriously, we have had some, some questionable experiences with police officers. They're out there. There's bad and good everywhere. We know that. But the difference is, even with those bad police officers who were possibly, in some of these cases that have been cited by Black Lives Matter, taking the lives of innocent people, you know, rolling up on somebody who wasn't doing anything wrong and ultimately end up killing them. Even if the police officers were wrong in those cases and the people who were killed were innocent, the officers that were killed last night were just as innocent and they were also trying to protect the very people that are protesting against them. Lawrence was telling the story about the uh, gentleman who was at the back of the rally last night. And how he was specifically walking as slow as he possibly could to annoy the police officers that were behind him driving in their cars. And when the first shots rang out, one of the police officers went up and pushed him hard to get him out of the way. He fell and skinned his knees and everything. I mean, because of that, that cop's partner was shot, took the bullet and died. It was one of the five officers that died. This guy was remarking afterwards that I, I can't believe these police officers did that. I've been, I've been giving them crap all day. I'd been mocking them all day. They knew who I was. They knew I was the one that was giving them the business. But still, they decided to protect my life, so much so that one of them died protecting his life and his right to be there in protest. Ty, this buddy of mine um, that I worked with years ago in Cleveland, and we're, we're still close friends. In fact, I was exchanging texts with him this morning. Uh, works on the radio in Cleveland. His name is Jimmy Malone, and anybody in the area knows him, and he's, he's a great guy. He grew up, um, he's probably 20 years older than me, grew up during the, the racial riots of Cleveland in the, in the 50s, 60s, and on into the 70s. And he had told me the story, and I'm way paraphrasing it, but I think you'll appreciate this, where he believed for the longest time in that, that all white people did not like him and that all white people saw him as something else other than human, dot, 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 dot. And he said there, he used to um, work at a country club and he kind of managed the tennis courts and people would sign up, you know, the sign up sheets and he kind of kept that going. And he said there was a woman, a white woman who was always very nice to him out there, but kind of in the back of his mind, he was always like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There was always a, yeah, but yeah. you can't trust whatever, you know. And he said, he's on the, on the rapid transit on the train one day and she gets on and she goes, oh, hey, Jim, how you doing? And she sits down next to him and starts talking to him. And they carry on a conversation, and he said, and I'm thinking in my mind, what the hell is she doing here? Why is she talking to me? Like, he was shocked that she actually would be interested in him as a human being beyond just, oh, she just wants to sign up for this Beyond the courtesy court. that he has to, she has to get right, him. Right, right. And, right. and I, I'm, I know about stories like that with, from my, my parents and grandparents, and it's, it's sad, but it also, in a way, is encouraging because we know it's not like that now. So quickly things have gotten better. So I think sometimes we should take stock in what's the good things and how well we have done and not always be so disappointed that we're not through it all yet. Do you think that there are still those people that do feel that way, though? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How how do we reach them? Oh, some of them you're not going to. Yeah. Some people you just can't reach. Some people are are so, you know, they're, they're angry about what their mama's mama went through. And that's just that. And 
All the well, pe- and, they're, and, they're, and the racist on the other side, too, Ty, they're, you're just never going to reach some of those knuckleheads. Yeah, and they, they think things are fine. And, I mean, they're, they're over Twitter. And I've noticed as I've become, you know, you guys have me on every so often. I always get another, you know, couple dozen Twitter followers. And usually one out of 12 is got the Confederate flag in the background. Not saying that that automatically makes you racist. But on Twitter, usually the people with the Confederate flag in the background, <laughs> usually are following up with this N-word doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, 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 right. blah. So those people, but I don't want to reach those people, and, and I want to leave those people behind. Those people are, will never be my friend, so who cares? Right. That's a, that's a good way. Uh, but I, that's the reason I th- I'm encouraged, though, because I think most people you, you can get to and we can reach and have changed. Like you said, in, in my circles, and I've explained this to minorities at times, I'm like, I don't know what you think is going on when I get together with friends at tea parties, at family members. I'm like, I don't know what you think is happening. I said, but it's not anti-minority, anti-black, anti-whatever. I go, people really aren't caring about your race i mean they really we we sit around and just talk about life and whatever else i mean it's i think most people don't care I, it, they don't care and i think also the what, one thing that people fear is if it's a large group there's that one guy in that you're not racist and let's say the next you're at a table of 12 the next nine guys aren't but there's this one guy who is and when he says something racist you guys just kind of laugh it off to not you, be confrontational. That a, no, that is a great point. That's that is the, so what, wonderful. No, and, and you know what? I have never thought about that. You're right. If I was black, I'd be like, what's up with that? Do you know why? Like you said, because I just want to not give I, I want to not give that knucklehead any credit. And I don't even want to get into a big thing with him. Just let that guy go about I'm not going to change his mind. So just it's it's the fake laugh. It's the uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, it's like that. Right. I got a a guy who's not really friends with me anymore who I noticed was a member of not one but two segregated clubs. And I had to start to wonder, and I have to be honest, maybe I'm guilty. I started to wonder, what are they talking about in this club to where no black people are allowed? Gay people were allowed. Hispanic people were allowed. Black people weren't. And it it troubled me. And I kind of – I started pulling away from the guy because I felt like I couldn't trust him. I understand it. Well, we're going to get to more of this over the coming months, and hopefully we can make some headway. If you want to get your calls, though, 888-900-3393. On Twitter, please follow at Doc Thompson Show, at Skip Lacombe, and at Ty Johnson News. You can be one of the dozen that follow him today, at Ty Johnson News. <laughs> more of this special presentation continues next on the Blaze Radio Network. This is a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Will this be the summer of violence? Or will this be the summer of love? It's up to us. I'm not sure how much headway we're making. But I know some good has happened the last couple of days. I can tell because I can tell the number of people that are reaching out to me. Email social media that have have echoed exactly what we've said that something is different now that there is a realization people are are willing to try something else i have been frustrated 
and at the end of my line with all of this stuff for so long, just fed up with it, done. And yet I found another level, another level where I say, we've got to do something else. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people hear that something else or get to that point about something else and that something else becomes something else bad. You know, not all change is good. But ask yourself what you would want. If you were somebody different than you, what would you believe and what would you want? What would your perspective be? Now, it's difficult to say because at the core of who you are is your principle and values, and you're probably saying, but Doc, I can't give up my principle and values. I'm, I'm not asking you to. In fact, I'm the one telling you not to. But isn't one of your core principles and values to love one another as I have loved you? Isn't that part of who you are? I know the anger. I asked Glenn today. We sat in on his radio broadcast today, and I said to Glenn, I said, I think it was during a break, he was talking about, his values and how this is the reason for the last 10 years he's been saying we've got to keep our principles and values. He said, and that's the reason I've kept my principles and values. And he, he said this, and you've probably heard him say things like that before. And I said off the air to him, I said, Glenn, where would you be if you hadn't kept your principles and values? How would you be reacting today? The five police officers being gunned down and seven people, seven other people wounded Where would you be this morning? He said, I'd be angry. And I said, exactly. We are naturally angry about this stuff. That is natural. That's normal. And a lot of us are fighters. We're we're people that get up every day and work hard, and we're going to fight, right? Lead with the sword. Right. I mean, we're going to go out there and do it. I'm not asking you to do my work. I'll, I'll take care of my family. I'll work hard. And that's how we see this. And that's the trap that the people play on. The race baiters at the top, the separators, the progressives. These are the people that play on it because they know that's where you're going to. So let's be smart and think, how do we take their power away? The race baiters on both sides, the manipulators on both sides, the progressives on both sides of the political aisle, Democrat progressives and Republican progressives, people that are just in it for themselves, the D.C. machine, the insiders, the career politicians, all of the people that are making money and getting power off of having me and you bitch about one another. How do we take their power? You know what we've been doing trying to take their power? We've been standing and shaking our fist and screaming at the top of the lo- our lungs that those people over there must figure it out. That's what we've been doing. That's how we've said we're going to take their power, which only causes the people on the other side to say, F you, it, it those people got to figure apart. it out. It actually drives a wedge further apart and, and does not do any good. Right. It are, they, they know that. It's, it's smart. It's simple. It's been done throughout history. This is how tyrants have worked and come to power throughout history, and we're playing into it again. What is the way to take it back? What is the angle? It's not doing what we've been doing. Somebody has to give an inch, and I'm not talking about principles. That's the beauty of this. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying 
Put down the sword and shield and sit down with your fellow American. And in that, something good will happen. Do you know how I know? Because that's how you and I exist this very day. In more modern times, we exist in America today. Because people sat down. Good people sat down. Some of them very opposed to varying ideas or various ideas. And they squirreled out a basic freedom platform for America. That's how America exists today. People sitting down and communicating. And further back, biblical times. This is what it's about. This is the way forward. All right, please join us on Twitter if you would. It's at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Our buddy Lawrence B. Jones just popped in. He was going to join us, and uh, he's kind of busy today. He's <laughs> yeah, he's he's been all over uh, all over all the networks today, and he even has more this evening scheduled. I got up early this morning for our radio broadcast, and uh, I saw more an update on what what had happened, and I realized. Lawrence had tweeted like 20 minutes before that he was just coming home from all of the crazy shenanigans last night. And I, I texted him and I was like, oh, are you still up? Can you join us <laughs> this morning? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll stay up. And he stayed up and joined our program. And we get off the air and lo and behold, I see him coming in with Glenn Beck. And he's just been up for like, like 36 hours. All right, we'll get some phone calls coming up, 888-900-3393. I do want to play a piece of audio, though, from this morning's Glenn Beck program that really touched me. If you want to understand the other side, if you want to get it, and that's all I'm asking you to do is to try to understand. You don't have to agree with all of their ideas or values. Just understand their perspective. If somebody feels a way, even if they're wrong, they still feel that way. And the only way you're going to change the way they feel is to first understand that they feel that way, which is difficult for us to understand because I'm not a, oh, it feels good type of person. That's not me. Or it feels bad. It's not what I do. But perspective is reality to them, to all of us. If we can understand that they feel a certain way, then we can start educating and understanding one another. And it was an interesting perspective because... Glenn Beck's assistant, her name is Michelle, and she's a wonderful lady. Skip and I have gotten along with her since she first started here a couple years ago. And she comes to Glenn this morning and says, how do I explain what happened last night, meaning the officers getting shot, to my children, my black children? How do I explain to them? See, a lot of us that are white think, okay, how do I explain to my children and how do we discuss what happened last night when the officers got shot? And you would expect a lot of people that are black to explain to their families or have the discussion when an Alton Sterling gets shot. Of course. Right? But how do you, if you're black, explain to your family and your kids what happened after that when the police officers get shot? Well, and and I think it even makes a, a more difficult point or makes it even so much more difficult when all these situations happen concurrently. I mean, Alton Sterling, that was one night. The following night, we had... Philando Castile. And then just last night, we have these five officers. I mean, it almost seems like it would be easier to explain the horror and tragedy of one or two of these instances. But as you keep piling them on and piling them on, it, it makes it even more difficult. But the key is, 
I imagine if you're a, a black parent and you believe Alton, Sterling, and some of the others you know, were unjustly killed and you've had those conversations, and then the police officers get shot, you've got to teach two wrongs don't make a right. But how do you have that conversation with somebody that's young and explain, there's people that are so upset they went and did this, that's still wrong. I mean, children don't understand very often and would likely say, well, they were just fighting back, weren't they? You know, some of the arguments that are made. So what do you say to them? How do you have that conversation? And, and how do you make sure they're going to be good people that don't get caught up in either, you know, either side of the craziness? She had an interesting perspective. I want to play a little clip of that. Again, this is Glenn Beck's assistant uh, this morning from the Glenn Beck radio program. It's going to have to be real. We live in an ugly world. But as long as you do the things that you know you're supposed to do, you abide by the laws, you're respectful. At that point, you can only hope and pray. You're not the one being shot. You're not the one so angry enough to do something so evil. You, you really don't, there's really no right answer, I feel, that you can tell them because it's con- it conflicts the things that you grow up and tell them to be. Well, if I follow the rules, it looks like I still get hurt. Or, but these people, why do, why do they hate these other people? And black lives not matter, but you tell me all lives matter. Like, color doesn't matter. My, my little son, he doesn't look at color. color. But it's my oldest is 14, and even at school, when they're at school, like social media, they see it, they, and they get it, but they still don't have an understanding, and it's so scary because they begin to start picking their sides at such a young age. And you, wanna, you, you want to lead them in the direction like, look, you don't judge anybody by their color. You don't do, but you... What's happening, it makes it look like, well, mom, I kind of have to. I kind of have to. I can't walk down the street with my, you know, with my white friends and feel like I'm the one kind of being looked at. Like, you know, what are you doing around here? How do you, how do we solve this? This is the generation and it's starting so young. You know what I just thought? It's uh, pretty powerful to hear somebody speak like that. She's like, you tell me black lives matter, but all lives matter. What do you mean by that, Mom? The reason it's difficult to explain to our kids, because we don't understand it. We go through our lives and you go, okay, here I am, I'm this middle-aged white guy just trying to make my, my way in the world and feed my family and not yell at my wife when I get home because she did this or said that or yell at my husband and be happy and do all these things we have to do. And I'm not trying to keep anybody down. I don't care. In fact, I'm tired of all this stuff. But then how dare you call me a racist and how dare this happen Right? I mean, that's what you're thinking as the average person. I imagine if you're black or a minority or you feel disenfranchised, 
in some way because of something else, some way you've been segregated by society. You're probably thinking, I don't fit into society and I'm tired of not being heard and I'm frustrated and it's been years and it's not getting better. And you too are also going through, I'm just trying to make my way in the world and how come, you know, I'm, I'm being denied or treated this way. It is a great evil that's been perpetrated against us. Ultimately, I don't think it is an accident. I don't know if there's one grand puppet master, behind, uh, save Satan, that is, that is doing it, at least on earth. But it has been perpetrated on us, certainly, and maybe by a group of people over the years. Maybe it's the individuals making up in mass one power because they've been you know, trying to squirrel out some power and money for themselves. But it is certainly horrible. It's funny the things I've I've thought about in the last couple of days, too. About, well, first of all, with Alton Sterling, I was like, wow, that looked bad. Castillo, I, I almost couldn't talk about it anymore. The gentleman who was shot in the car and then his, was his wife, girlfriend, uh, whatever. Fiance. Fiance. Uh, shot, uh, streamed the video uh, while he's laying there. That whole thing was so bizarre. I couldn't even talk about it anymore. It was just, it was weird. I mean, we watched didn't these two sense. men die. We, we, if you saw those videos, you were, you were watching these men die. But it made, Skip, the, the Castillo made no sense. Not Red that, it's, it's Castile. Castile, rather, Castile. Um, Alton Sterling, I mean, you know, that didn't make any sense either. But, I mean, Castile, I was just like, What? The the so odd the concealed carry holder, and the guy shoots him and he's there and then wait the officer's reaction even the, to, yeah and then and she's he streaming was this bug nuts. she was calm the whole and thing the was kid, so weird it was like if if you put that in a movie I'd be like oh that's some great bout of fiction there none of this makes any sense it that's not real so I was just numb I'm like I don't even get this and we watched this gentleman die on television. I'm not suggesting for a moment through all of this that political correctness is the answer. I get very frustrated when I have heard a lot of people say it's political correctness and better police training and all this stuff. And and maybe training is a part of it. I'll give you that. Certainly, you know, if you're a police officer, knowing what that adrenaline rush is going to be like going into a situation and how to deal with it is going to help you. It's going to save the situation and teach people to de-escalate as opposed to escalate. But I think that's a bit of a cop-out when we say... Better police training and so on and so forth. A lot of times that just means, hey, you've got to be politically correct. I'm not looking for political correctness. I think that's the wrong thing. I think the key to racial harmony, religious harmony, a lot of this stuff is, number one, anti-political correctness. To be politically incorrect at times. Not... Be a jerk, but just not worry so much about words that offend. The difference is intention. You've got to gauge someone's intention. You can say the most horrific things about my family, my mom, my wife, my kids. If I know your intentions are good and it's a joke, I may not think it's funny. I may think it's funny, but I'm not going to be mad at you. Right? I mean, why, why would I be mad at you? I mean, people say things by accident all the time, and don't you give them the benefit of the doubt? Now, if you're trying to insult me, you could say almost n- nothing, and I'm going zero to 60, man. 
I'm ready to throw down in seconds. Hashtag angry doc. It's all intention. Look at it this way. Imagine a buddy of yours has been telling you about somebody they want you to meet. A friend of theirs. Maybe it's a celebrity you've always wanted to meet. Always appreciated him on the TV. Maybe you love that Glenn Beck. Always wanted to meet him, want to meet him, want to meet him. And you get the opportunity to meet him. He walks in the room and something happens that is a little off. Let's say he, he trips and bumps into you. He uh, says something that doesn't come out quite right. Whatever it is, you like this person already. So what do you do? What do you tell them when they bump into you? That you go, you go oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Right? Instantly, you go, that's okay. I, I understand. Great. You give them the benefit of the doubt right off because you want to. You have a preconceived notion that you like this person. You want to like them. Therefore, you excuse things away. Even if it hurt. Even if it was, if it bumped in you and really, wow, that hurt. You know, it's okay. I get it. You know, he wouldn't do that intentionally. He was, you know, right? He stays away. Now, you don't like somebody. You're one of those people. The people on the other side. I've seen you. You're standing out there and you're uh, protesting my protest. You don't like my candidate. You don't like what's going on. You're holding signs against something that I believe in. That person comes over to you. They could do next to nothing, and you are throwing down. Imagine that person bumps into you. Legitimately bumps in. Doesn't he come anywhere near hurting you? Like the first scenario I laid out. And what happens? It's a much different reaction. Your reaction is, how dare you, son of a bitch, I'm going to boom, and you're going to blows. Why? Because you're leading with this pre-understanding or pre-feeling of people. I'm saying, how about this in the future? Novel idea. We start giving people the benefit of the doubt up front. We start trying to get along as opposed to trying not to get along. I'm not talking about the extremists that you will never get along with. I'm not talking about the dirtbag politicians out there on either side of the aisle. I'm not talking about the race baiters, the community organizer, or anybody else out there who is trying to divide you in the most shameful ways while claiming to unite you when you can tell by their actions they're not. I'm not talking about those people. You can feel what you want about them. I'm talking about the crowd last night of Black Lives Matter people that were out there when the cops got shot, sitting down with them. I'm talking about the family of Alton Sterling or Castile and saying, hey, I'll sit down and talk to you. Those are the people I'm talking about, the average American, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Doesn't that make sense? Absolutely. Um, That's the thing is, uh, and I hate the platitude of we need to have a conversation. It's time to have a conversation, but... That is one of the narratives that actually kind of makes sense now. And it isn't just a, a traditional conversation. What that actually is, the grand gesture, um, only time will tell. Um, and, and again, we're, we're so close to what had just happened. I mean, these five officers were killed just last night. I mean, it was about 12 hours ago that this all started. Um, so maybe with some time and some healing, we can figure out the path to go forward. Uh, the, as I said, the political correctness has got to go away. We've got to be able to laugh at one another. You start by laughing at yourself. If you are not able to laugh at yourself, you're doing it wrong. First of all, you should be willing to laugh at yourself because I got news for you. You're funny. You really are. There's plenty of stuff to laugh at about you. 
Yes, you are. How do I know? Because we all are. We all do stupid stuff. We all do stuff that's laughable. Laugh at yourself. Stop taking yourself so seriously. What are you? What are you splitting the atom? Seriously, are you saving lives? What have you done? Most of us go home. We fill our pie hole. We all take ourselves far too seriously. Right. What are, we, what are you doing? What are you walking the earth like Mother Teresa? You saving people? Is that what's going on? You might do the best stuff out there, and guess what? You still screw up, and you still do stuff that's funny. Let's laugh at each other, even if you're doing great good. Laugh at yourselves first, and then second of all, laugh at somebody else in a good-natured and fun well-intentioned, spirited way, and explain yourself. That's what we do around here. I, I, I keep going back to what works in, in my community, in my sphere of influence, in my circle of friends and family. How do we react? How does Ty, Ty treat us? How do we treat each other? How do we treat Lawrence B. Jones? How do we treat Michael Palka and Glenn and, and everybody else around here? What do we do? We give each other the business, right? You know where I'm coming from. I'm going to give you the business on stuff, right? But then, when I hear somebody's mother has died, or a friend needs a helping hand because they're going through something difficult, you're there for them. We have, we have friends that, that need our help all the time, and we're there for them. There's a gentleman that works at the office here whose father passed away recently. On the 4th of July. Was it the 4th of July? It was on the 4th of July. Well, that, that's, that's a great reminder of your Independence Day. Yeah. His father passed away. Skip and I see him once every six weeks or so when we come to Dallas because he works in Dallas. And we had heard about this, and we came in, and Skip started, and he goes, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. I just wanted to give him a hug. And Skip went over and gave him a hug. And I said, oh, jeez, I forgot. I'm so sorry. And we talked a little bit about it. And um, later on, the next day, I talked to him and I said, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? He goes, I'm doing good. He goes, everybody around here has been so wonderful. So he, he and he was shocked, not that he wouldn't expect people to be nice, but he was still shocked how nice and how well people treated him. Mind mm. you, this is a guy, we give him the business all the time. He gives us the business all the time. That's how your relationship is. It's fun. It's funny. You joke. That's what we do. And then we're there for each other. So if it works in our individual lives, why wouldn't it work on a grander scale? This is part of the way forward. Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe getting the calls next on the Summer of Violence. This radio special on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Will this be the summer of violence that Glenn Beck has predicted? It'll be the summer of love. It's up for us to decide. I don't know how much headway we're going to make today in the coming weeks, but I think we'll at least make some. We will at least get some good out of it. Let's go to the phone calls now. 888 Let's go to a Derek in New Jersey. Yeah, Derek, how are you guys doing? Doing well, well sir. Excellent. I know uh, it's been a bit of a hard week. 
all around, no matter what. As long as you're an American, you should be hurting. Uh, I mean, it's tough. So um, I hope you guys can bear with me a little bit. I don't have too much of a cohesive thought pattern going on. Just let it flow. Let it flow. So, well, a little background, I guess. I am a 26-year-old white male. I live in New Jersey, uh, Gloucester City, actually. Uh, Small business owner. I work, um, I guess you could consider it a a high minority area. Camden is right next to me. And um, on a day-to-day basis, I deal with plenty of black customers, Hispanic customers, and that. And individually, one-to-one, I uh, I give every man their chance. Uh, it doesn't, uh, you know, every every interaction I have with a stranger or a new person, I'm as polite as I can be. I um, I open doors for people and hey, how you doing? Have a good day, all that. Um, and uh, like I said, I have a plenty of minority customers. And after all, any of these events, it seems to me that my interactions don't change. I um, I don't have black customers coming in and giving me faces about being a white guy or or uh I don't at least I don't perceive them to be feeling that maybe I'm uh being racist or anything like that. So I mean day to day my one on one interactions with everybody uh seem to be pretty civil. Now I guess that goes more on to my thought pattern of I consider you know, first and foremost, we are all Americans. And, uh, I mean, I kind of hold that to a high value. I, I think to be an American is uh, is a great thing. It's a great opportunity. It's a, it's a blessing um, that we all share. And um, no matter what your color, creed, doesn't matter to me, I want all of our freedoms to be preserved. So with this latest couple of incidents... I'm I'm split drastically on on my opinions now with the uh, I'm not sure exactly how the first guy uh, was at Louisiana I forget his name uh, but he was Alton, uh, shot Alton Sterling out. yeah there you go yes sir yes sir um, now to me that was a justified action on the police um, they were just doing a job they were called out to a guy with a gun so they're you know they're 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 going to be a little uh, on high alert, of course. Um, now, with the other, uh, the second uh, incident in Minnesota, I have a hard time believing that that is is justified. I just think that's totally an overreach. That is that is an abuse of power. Uh, I mean, my whole thing with police and civilian interactions is we send our soldiers overseas to fight wars, and we tell them you can't fire unless you're fired upon. And I think that, at least in America, when our cops are dealing with our citizens, that should be the standard. If you cannot fire your weapon unless you are fired upon. Now, it's different if, if someone's draw, drawn a weapon and they're pointing it at you. Of course, that's a threat. Immediately take it down. No problem with that. But, uh, I mean, especially with the case in Minnesota, I mean, there is no reason for that man to have died. Uh, I mean, in front of his, his, his fiance and his child, it's just to me an overreach. So when I think of kind of like the level, I think of, as I said, we're all American citizens. And then I think of the citizens versus the government primarily. Uh, I see police as the, they are the force that 
comes, and they are the ones that have to enforce the laws that are the nation of the land. And I see the everyday beat cop, you know, he's just doing a job. He's doing what he's told he's got to do. Sure, there's some bad apples. There's bad apples everywhere. None of us are angels. Um, mistakes are going to be made. Now, are there going to be some bad cops that are out there just to kill people? Maybe, sure. I, you know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't think the mass majority of them are. So when it comes, I would I give the benefit of the doubt to the citizen over the cop in almost every interaction. That's my just my my go-to. So whenever I hear something like this, I'm like, okay, well, what happened? And then you know, I just now analyze it my own way and whatever you know with the information that I'm given, and come to my conclusion. Now, my problem with a lot of this, a lot of the racial issue is that any time one of these incidents comes up, it's just automatically just shoved down our throats. Oh, it's it's racist cops. They're out hunting black people. And I just, I can't stand it. I can get behind wanting to stop uh, police brutality and corruption and all that on all levels of government. I'm totally behind that. But I cannot say that there's a systemic racism inherent in our system. I think uh, we've come a long way from the days of, uh, of slavery or the 60s, and I mean, I just, I really can't, I, it's hard for me to fathom. So Derek, let me, so let, let me, people. yeah, let me, let me ask you something along that line. I find that interesting because I, I, I understand what you're feeling. I, I feel the same way and I've said some of the same things you're saying right now. Let me ask you this. Um, you're right. I don't believe there is this institutionalized racism that's all around. There are some issues here and there, but it's not as it's being made. But when you said you're tired of, of having it shoved in your face like that, what does that mean, though? What about it bothers well, you? Because as you said, you even think that Castile, you think, you know, he was shot unjustly. So you're siding with, you know, a lot of the people that are black saying, hey, that was wrong. Well, so I what? everything on a case-to-case basis. Sure, sure. So, but, I mean, you're not automatically that white guy that's going, you know, you know uh, all cops are fine if you shape black people, whatever. It's that. So what is it about sh- when you say shoving it in your face or whatever? What does that mean? Let's try to dissect that a minute because I, th- well, I think I have a point. Me, what it means to me, I mean, I have, I, mean I, I have a group of people on Facebook every now and then when these situations comes up, we talk. And it seems to me that, and I, and I hate to say it, is that when something like this comes, ha- comes up, it's the um, you're white so you're a racist, and if you're not a racist and you're white, then ah. you are still racist. It's a microaggression. You okay. just don't know it. See, so, this is this what? is my realization recently, Derek, and I think you hit it right there. The shoved in your face means you're tired of being accused of being a racist. Absolutely. Because that's a, I mean, I, that's that's my problem with it. I, Derek, I am. I have faults, but I'm a I'm a pretty decent person to people. I treat people pretty well, and I really am not a racist. And I'm also right. so tired of defending myself about it. That's yeah. that's my frustration. That's one of my biggest issues. Is that when I when I get into a conversation, and I mean I'm a I'm a political junkie. So I mean, anytime something like this comes up, I'm right away. I'm on it. I'm looking to talk about it somehow, somewhere. <laughs> so you know, if I get into a conversation and I say, look, I don't think there's systemic ra- uh, racism. Do I believe racism exists? Absolutely. I'm shouted down and I'm, and, oh, you're, you're white privilege. You don't understand. You can't understand. Well, you know, I, I think I can understand. I, I've studied history pretty well. I understand modern day politics, modern global affairs. 
And I know what racism looks like, and I know what oppressed people look like. So I, I, I just have a real hard time um, believing that there may be systemic Derek, racism. I, Are there I, racists I think... in the system? Of course, uh-huh. on both sides. But I do not think there are maybe underhanded backdoor guidelines that say, well, if you interact with a black guy, you just need to just automatically think he's got a gun, he's going to kill you, blah, 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 blah. I just, I, I have a hard time believing it. And it makes me upset that a lot of this country, I mean, they just, they just think that, oh, well, there's systemic racism, we need to try and cure this problem, when really I don't think there's a problem to cure other than, uh, you actually said it earlier, just miscommunication. Derek, this is what this is so wonderful. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I bet that there would be a lot of a lot of minorities in America that would hear us say this and be like, "Really? That's your frustration? That you? Yes, I am not a racist, and it 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 is beyond painful to me being called a racist. It is it's about one of the worst things you can do to me right now. It sets me off. It angers me. It upsets me, and I don't think they get it. I, I, and I that's I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just saying we need to find a way to communicate. Derek, thanks so much for the call and your support. This is what I'm talking about. If that's the case, if we feel that way and those people don't know that we feel that way, how are we ever going to get along? Because as soon as you see a shooting, and even if you say, hey, Castile, he, the cop shouldn't have shot him. That was a bad, that was a bad shooting. Alton Sterling shouldn't have shot him, whatever. But I'm not sure it was racist. Boy, we're, we're back at it again, back at each other. This is one of those explanations that I'm talking about. I'm a little confused, though. Why yes, is that? I, so if someone says someone else is racist... That's right. shoving it down your throat. That bothers you. See, the thing is, I it totally depends on, understand. Depends if, on what it is, though. If depends on you what it is. Yeah. are called racist, by all means, right. I fully understand sure. why that would bother you. But if someone mm-hmm. sees that tape mm-hmm. and post on Facebook, as the caller said, this was racist, mm-hmm. why does that bother you? We're not talking about you. And that's the thing that kind of confuses me because it almost makes me think that, that people are putting themselves in the cop's place and thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm a little racist, yeah. so don't accuse me of racist because no. like, I, I, something about that doesn't sit right with me where it bothers you so much when someone else you don't know is called racist. Okay. Okay. I think I can answer it there. It's being stereotyped. So if, if somebody would say a minority is whatever, whatever the stereotype about any minority you know, uh, Asians can't drive, whatever. And you're like, oh, I'm so tired of that or whatever, right? As soon as somebody says that, it is presented or projected. Maybe we shouldn't be sensitive about it, but we are. It's, well, you're a racist because you're a white person. And the narrative to back that up is that stupid uh, social justice warrior that was at that school last week that's teaching the kids, the private school in New York, that... You're born racist if you're white. You just are a racist. White people are racist. There was a um, a uh, prerequisite, like as part of orientation for years, I don't know if it still exists, at the University of Delaware, where they taught you that all white people are racist and only white people can be racist. So it's like lumping everybody together. And it, it's just become this tired go-to, make me sick to my stomach, can we just... 
Well, and, stop it. And I, I think my issue with it is that, I mean, in both of these instances, we don't know if racism was involved with it. I don't think there's, there's the information there. So the fact that that is the instant go-to when something like this happens, oh, racism, I feel like that is is dangerous because we simply don't know. And Skip so, has made a wonderful part point over the years, Ty, and that is racial versus racist. And, and I think yeah, that's lost on people. But I think when people die... There is no, it's not racial. My, my point is, I feel like in both cases, in my opinion, I can only give my personal opinion. I personally feel if both the men were white, they would be alive. One would have been arrested. One would be home right now with his four-year-old. I don't believe that a white guy in that car would have got shot with a four-year-old in the back seat. So while the person may not be racist, the, I feel like the law enforcement officers entered it with a racial bias, bias that led to someone's death. They had their, and, they and were afraid. Fair. And I, what'd you say? And I said, that's fair. And I, that's my thing is while I understand 100% understand, I empathize with what you're saying that we shouldn't jump to being racist. I don't know if these guys are in the clan. What I'm saying is I think they <laughs> entered, I think they entered these altercations with these now dead men with a certain bias because of the color of their skin that led to the mm-hmm. death. I believe there the, may be some more tasering, maybe step out of the car before shooting with the four-year-old in the back, right. that kind of thing. I think that happens. I believe those kind of courtesies are afforded to Caucasians, and they're they, not and, afforded to black people. And they may be. And, you know, some of those biases, Ty, that may be a really difficult one to solve. That may be something that, that we get to down the road. It's going to be a process. Maybe some of those bias are deep-seated, and we don't know it. Maybe some of those will always be there. I mean, if, if you understand the history of racism in America, part of the reason we sit here today is because of the likes of people like William Randolph Hearst, who in newspapers and the power and sphere that they had at the time vilified black men. And if you don't know the history of that, it's pretty awful. Yeah. They have put biases in our minds that have existed for decades upon for a century now, um, where they would do caricatures of black men as as monsters, as as the boogeyman, as as the devil, that they were, you know, eating babies and stuff. I mean, just these these political cartoons and caricatures, and they kept this narrative narrative where people believed that that black males were the epitome of all bad, that you were violent and, and, and hypersexual. I mean, just go down the list of all bad in the world you black men represented. You were evil. And that's how it was presented. So maybe there are some of those biases that have been, you know, deep-seated that have continued, and maybe it takes a long time. Well, and maybe that's part but, of the concept of them saying institutionalized racism and being a legitimate concern that maybe we have not given full credit to. well the problem is I, often when i hear it they mean it, it it's going in a much bigger agenda driven whatever situation sure, yeah. but i can understand that some of that may exist i get frustrated when it's already is automatically assumed i think a lot of people get it, ty you could be right there could be there could be some not so hidden low bias with those officers or it could be or it could not be and maybe in the grand scheme of things, you go, you're right. Maybe Caucasians are afforded more you know, opportunities to screw up or whatever. That could be. But as soon as these cases come out, it's black man shot. It must be. Now, maybe some of that's built on history, and that's the frustration. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I do. I'm not saying that it's fair. What I'm saying is, though, when when I see those situ- when I saw both of those, my I immediately thought if the people, if both men were white. Now I will admit they're not equal cases. The second one, the Castile case, is to me ridiculous. The other one, I can kind of see the other side where if the officer he did he didn't just fully quite he didn't submit. So therefore, if you don't, and I was taught at a very young age when it comes to police, if you don't submit, you die. My father made that very clear to myself, my brother and my sister. When it comes to police, you submit. It's not even about respect. You submit. Right. Because maybe they want respect from white people, but I was taught that cops want submission from black people, and I've always done that, Um, except for one time. And actually, I ended up being arrested, and it all got thrown out. But the one time I didn't submit, there was a lot of problems. Um, but I'm alive, so I'm lucky, I guess, in that way. But when I saw was a situation where I've seen guys, uh, Caucasians, approach the police with a machete and live and walk away, you know, get arrested and go mm-hmm. home and get, and get bailed out, I've never seen a black person approach police with a machete and live. <laughs> you know what, Ty? You might be right on that. And, and you know what, maybe and stuff like that. That's maybe the kind of stuff I see. Maybe some, you know what, and maybe some of those statistics, you know what it is? I think a lot of white people are, are dead to the statistics or even hearing that because of the um, believed crying wolf over racism at times. So then we've shut down and don't even want to hear it. I think that's a lot of the problem. Real quick, Ty, we're getting some reports of, uh, and this was my fear, that you would see a lot of protests tonight on, from either side or anybody uh, that would end up getting bad. So far, it's not, there's no violence but there's a potential for it in Atlanta right now. A mob of protesters have shut down the, is it the downtown connector, Skip? Yeah, I believe it's the downtown connector, which is one of the highways that leads oh. into downtown. They've been attempting to march towards downtown via this downtown connector. So there have been police who are staged at one of the intersections. I mean, a good 20, 30 police vehicles that are preventing the protesters from advancing forward on okay, this downtown Okay, this is connector. not good on either side. Let me explain. Number one. If you want to protest in America, hell, if you're a Tea Party or somebody that I have agreed with, if you want to rally for candidates I support and you want to protest or other, fine. Do not walk in the roadways and shut the road down. Blocking traffic. And I say that as a person who's incredibly impatient in traffic, I will lose my mind. That is a disconnect. I don't care if I agree with you or not politically. My ears are deaf. My eyes are turned from you. I am not going to hear your message if you do that nonsense. I, I mean, it's almost, it's, it's one peg below violence to me. No, that, that's a bad idea. I don't think that's very wise. And I think the police are showing incredible restraint by not m- removing them. Because if I was in charge of the police, I would Get all of, of there. they would all be arrested right now. Every one of them. But, but Ty, then here's the other problem. They're still blocking traffic because the cops just lined up in front of them. So I think this is a potential bad move for the cops. Let's say they let them continue to march. The area they're at right now would be would be cleared. So wherever they're going to, you know, fine. You just tell the crowd, keep it moving. We're going to get it down here, whatever. Right. They've still got them blocking traffic, and I think at some point one of them's going to try to, you know, hurdle that car, and they they club somebody. It's, it's all gonna over. It's going to be that one moment too. One person is going to snap, and then it's going to be a mob. Right. The gasoline is out. Is someone going to light the match? That's my my fear here. Yeah, it's that and it's scary. I, I've been watching the footage of it. And I just hope nothing's happened yet, and let's just hope that continues. Yeah, I agree. So Atlanta could be trouble. Um, and as the nights go, as the night goes on, I mean, it's nighttime in the summer, Friday night in America. 
and you see these protests already popping up. The ones in New York have been pretty peaceful at this point. If you know of any others that are going on in any area, please share with us your thoughts, what you've seen. If you're in Atlanta and have been around there, 888 Join us on Twitter, at Doc Thompson Show, at Skip Lacombe, at Ty Johnson News. Also, if you want to help and you're looking for something practical to help these police officers that were shot in Dallas... You can do so by going going to mercuryone.org. That's mercuryone.org. A fund has been set up for the families of the fallen officers. 100% of your donation will go to them. There is no administrative overfee at Mercury One. Mercuryone.org. This is the Summer of Violence special radio broadcast on the Blaze Radio Network. More of this special presentation continues next on the Blaze Radio Network. This is a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Ty, you had an update on what's going on in Atlanta, correct? Yes, the uh, police said that they had SWAT and their uh, long guns all on the ready, but they were not going to wear tactical gear during the rally itself as long as things didn't get out of hand. And one person tried to make, brought a sign um, that's, that a call for violence against police and there we actually from the blaze we have a little bit of a about a 12 second clip of the All response right. from the people let's uh let's hear that now So please, that, no violence. Is that it? Uh, peace, no violence. Peace, no violence. And that was the crowd chanting in Atlanta. That was the, And that's on the blaze. That's not from some MSNBC finding the one nice person. No, this is from the blaze, a person that's embedded in the uh, rally. And so far, it's been peaceful. And let's hope that it stays that way. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the nice thing out of this um, that, that we're hearing in a lot of cases. But you never know. It's that one knucklehead, right? It only takes one, unfortunately. And then... um. Many people will die. We've seen, we saw that yesterday. It only takes one. You know, people, there was reports of four, three, two. It was one shooter. Do you, do you still buy that? That still sounds sketch to me. I still am not convinced, though. That's what they're saying. How do you get it that wrong, though? That's odd. And the other part is people, they found out his military record and everything, but he had no Twitter, no Facebook, no Instagram. At 25 years old? So he None was smart. Of that? So he was smart then. He didn't even have one? Yeah. He was also described as a, as a recluse after coming back from the war in Afghanistan, that he was a much different person coming back after that. So we also probably have uh, issues with PTSD, probably. Okay, well, you know, and we've tried not to make this very political. We've tried not to go to the same old angles with this stuff, but it does bear mentioning, and we would remiss if we didn't at least touch on this, that right now, all across America, you've got the same old people doing the same old things, and a lot of people, this is not about left versus right. This is not about Democrat versus Republican. It's about the people out there that are dividing us. What I'm about to say is not to divide. What I'm about to say is to show you that people are dividing. The dividers out there include President Obama, unfortunately, and he's very good at making it seem like he's uniting. He gives passionate speeches on it, but then often does things that still divide. He and many others have gone to, when it came to the police officers being shot, We've got to do something about guns. But when it came to the two gentlemen that were shot by police the days 
leading up to the, the Dallas shooting of the police officers, it was, see, there's still racism. It's still trying to divide us. These are not the people that we need to hear from. Those are the dividers. Because to skip your point, I didn't hear from Obama or anybody else touch on the fact that if this guy did have PTSD, hey, guess what? There's a lot of veterans that have PTSD that are not being helped via the the VA. I'm not saying he's one who wasn't helped, but that is a huge issue. Just that as is much, a problem. Regardless right, if that's an issue right. in this case, that is a problem in America. And if, he, if you have a veteran that likely was suffering some sort of mental uh, deficiency here, it's a natural leap to say he had PTSD or something else. Let's bring up the VA. It's as much as a logical step as bringing up guns is a logical step. And yet the, the VA didn't come up. Do you see how it's division? Only their agenda is coming up. Only parts of issues, reality, is coming up. I haven't wanted to talk about the politics of this. I've wanted to talk about how we go forward and the solution. But some of those people are still dividing. That's not how we're successful. All right, uh, we're going to go to some phone calls, 888-900-3393. Uh, in fact, yeah, I want to go with, uh, with Cam Edwards now. He called in. He's a host of Cam and Company on NRA News. Cam, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, fellas. How are you tonight? We're, uh, we're getting through this. It's been, it's been a little, little tricky the last couple of days. This has impacted us more than I, I would have thought. Um, there's, there's definitely change in the air. Give me your perspective on this, Cam, before we head down any of the political issues or your background or anything like this. Just tell me your thoughts over the last couple of days. Uh, it's been heartbreaking to see what's happened, uh, both the uh, attacks uh, in Dallas last night uh, and then the uh, uh, police shootings in Louisiana and Minnesota, then the attacks on police today in places like Bristol, Tennessee, uh, in Missouri, you know, it's been, um, it's been a heartbreaking couple of days to see what's going on in our country. And I was really glad to hear you say actually that you, you aren't trying to get political tonight because, no. uh, just because we've got, you know, people who are trying to get political, I, I don't think that we have to follow in their footsteps. And in fact, I think Americans, many Americans don't want to be, they don't want everything to be politicized and they don't want everything to be politicized before we even know the names of the victims. I mean, that just seems wow. wrong to a lot of people. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear you say that and we don't have to get political either. Um, honestly, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that too. Well, the only, the only reason I, I even headed down the road of politics is, I mean, you, you host a show about guns. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, this is something you do and you believe in. So it's obviously going to be a part of it when you speak. I just am trying to get people to understand that just because I am a second amendment supporter, just because I am a gun owner that I am not the bad guy. I am not trying to hurt you. I'm not a racist. I'm, I'm not automatically saying every cop is justified. And I want to give you the opportunity to express some of those things as well. I think that's important. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, I think one of the, the things that uh, either we blow right past or we try to deny that it's the case because we want to try to, you know, otherize and demonize our political opponents uh, is the fact that Americans – whether we're gun owners or we're not gun owners, Americans, uh, we, we want lower violent crime. We don't like to see terrorist attacks. 
Um, we're all on that same page. And unfortunately, we've gotten to a point where the rhetoric is, uh, if you don't support gun control laws, then you support terrorists. Uh, if you don't support gun control laws, then you, then you want this to happen. Uh, or you are to blame uh, as a gun owner uh, when something like this happens. And I, you know, I think that's incredibly, not just incredibly divisive, uh, but it's just patently false. And it gets us nowhere. Um, you know, I, I, I myself, as a gun owner, um, you know, I have friends who are police officers. Uh, I have family members who are uh, people of color. Um, I, I look at these issues and I try to be thoughtful. And it's really hard in this media environment to be thoughtful, whether we're talking about, you know, online media, social media, uh, the cable networks. It seems like we all want to try to boil it down to a very simplistic conversation. And what we're talking about, I think, are very complex issues. Uh when we when we respond viscerally, whether it's to, you know, a video that was streamed live on Facebook or the videos of officers being shot in the street, um, you know, that that's a natural human reaction to have a visceral response and to immediately be angry and to immediately uh, say this isn't right. This shouldn't happen. What can be done? But that doesn't mean that the answers are simple. And it doesn't mean that the answers, uh, frankly, come from a place of anger. I think that at, at that point, if you're actually looking to um, not just do something, but do something that matters, do something that works, do something productive, then you have to actually be able to sit and, and talk and have a conversation with people that you disagree with. And we are, it seems, getting further and further away from that point uh, in society. And, you know, uh, domestic terrorists like this attacker in, in Dallas, I think, one of the part of the damage that is done is that we move further and further away. We trust each other less and less. Yeah. And we don't want to have those conversations that we need to have if we're actually going to start to fix things. We, of course, all should be looking to express ourselves and, and hear other thoughts and ideas in, in, you know, in our circles at work, maybe people that are different than you, something like this, neighbors that are a little bit different than you. But, Cam, if you had the opportunity to, to join Skip and I on, on a stage or in private even, just as a, as a meal with some people that are, that are very much opposed to some of the things that we believe in an effort to sit down and, and understand each other, would, would you join us? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I have no, I like talking to people that I, I disagree with as long as it's a conversation, as long as it doesn't devolve into name calling and, <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, immediately turn unproductive. Um, I, yes, I, I have friends that I don't agree with politically. I have family members that I don't agree with politically. I have no problem whatsoever sitting down and having a conversation with somebody uh, with whom I disagree. I would love actually to be a part of something like that. If if right now we were to all sit down, I mean, me, you, and a bunch of other people, and then a bunch of people that you know are Black Lives Matter, anybody that you know disagrees with us, what would what type of things would you say to them this morning or, or this evening that that you think there is an obvious disconnect between you know, the Black Lives Matter protesters over Alton Sterling and, and Castile and also the police officers being shot. What are some of the most obvious things that you want them to know that you feel where you're opening your heart up and you say, listen, guys, I don't know if you understand what it's like to be called a racist and how much it bothers me or something similar. What what type of things would, would come up to you? You know, honestly, like, I'll be really honest with you. Before I started talking, I, I would like to listen. Um, I, see. I think that's part of it, too, is, is that, you know, we, we all wanted to talk. But when it came for my turn, when I ran yeah. out of questions, um, 
Yeah, you know, it, 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 it does bother me. And this is something I don't talk about a lot on the program, but uh, uh, if you don't mind a personal story. Please. Um, so when I was 22 and I lived in Oklahoma, I uh, was just starting out in television, and I met a woman online back in the uh, the olden days of the Internet. <laughs> um, and she lived she lived in Camden, New Jersey, which at the time was the murder capital of the United States. Uh, she was a single mom of two kids, uh, nine years older than I was, and we fell madly in love. So we got married uh, right after I turned 23. And I remember telling my mom that this was going to happen uh, and, and kind of bracing her for this, like, you know, Mom, I'm getting married. Uh, and she kind of started freaking out. And I said, and, and she's nine years older than I am. And then she really Uh-oh. started freaking out. Uh, she's a single mom. And I said, and her kids are biracial. And, uh, and my mom, who grew up in Oklahoma pre-integration, um, she had a hard time with some issues. She didn't like it about herself, but she did. Um, and her first reaction when I said, you know, her kids are biracial was, well, you can't come to the family reunions anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, okay, that's, you know, that's how it is. That's how it is. Um, I've been married for 19 years. We've had three more kids since then. Um, I love my family. I love my kids dearly. And I've looked, I've, I've, I've thought about race. I've thought about these issues of equality the entire time that I've been a dad, um, especially as, you know, I've had biological kids and you get sometimes the looks when you're all out in public uh, and you've got this blended family and nobody can quite figure out what's going on and everybody's kind of curious about what's going on. Um, when my son, who's now in his mid-20s, started driving, you know, we had conversations about being pulled over for driving while black, uh, living in northern Virginia, which was a fairly lily-white uh, sure. part of Fairfax County. Um, he feels like that happened to him. And I've had to, to, to sit and listen to, to him express his frustration about that. Um, to say that gun owners don't care about these issues, to say that uh, gun owners are racist because they're gun owners, it, it's, you know, it's absurd. It's just not who gun owners are. There are gun owners all across this country. And you can, you can't, you can't judge a book by its cover. You can look at somebody like me who looks like, you know, your typical red beard. And I like to wear t-shirts and jeans and ball caps. Um, and, and you can think, well, that guy must be a racist, yeah. but I can guarantee you that I'm not. Um, I can guarantee you that I think about these issues every single day. And I know a lot of other gun owners who do. So I, I really think part of this is we need to quit being so quick uh, to judge people that we don't know, and not even to judge people, but to mm. demonize people that we don't even know. Uh, I try very hard not to do that with gun control advocates. I, I assume that the the average gun control advocate uh, really believes in public safety, and that's why they support additional gun control laws. And I'm willing to have that conversation with them about why I don't think gun control is the way to make us safer. But I don't have to think of them as the worst person in the world. I don't have to think of them as somebody who is deserving of my hatred. I can look at them as somebody who has a different opinion than I do and somebody that I think I can reason with. And that's what I try to do. And I wish that that's what more people try to do. Cam, I really appreciate the story. Thank you so much for opening up. Uh, that's a, that's a wonderful story. Cam, how can people find out more about you? Uh, best way is to listen to NRA news, Cam and company. We are weekdays, Monday through Friday, live two to five Eastern on NRA We're also on Apple TV and, 
got brand new Roku channel as well. And um, yeah, that's probably the best place. And also, I do have Cam the Edwards 40 Acres in a Fool podcast. At Cam Edwards on Twitter. Uh, and I do have the 40 Acres in a Fool podcast from the Blaze Radio that's Network. Right. So. That's right. That's right. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much. God bless you and hang in there, okay? Absolutely. You too. Have a good night. Cam Edwards. That's a, that's a nice story. You don't, you don't always know who people are or what they're going through. Have you ever had a really bad time in your life? Skip, you ever had a really bad time in your life? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean a really bad time. I mean one of those where you can think of nothing else but that issue that's going on in your life. You ever had one of those times where you're obsessed about it? I have. Here's the thing about that. Have you ever gone into the grocery store and had to interact with a cashier versus a time when you don't have that pressure? How are you when you interact with that cashier? Dejected. Dejected. And when the cashier just says, have a nice day and smiles at you. Doesn't it matter so much? You're so down. You're also not causing any trouble. You're just speaking softly. Thank you. Right? See, our attitude changes. You don't know what people are going through on a daily basis. You don't know who they are, where they come from. Did you know that about Cam's wife and his kids? I had no idea now. I had no idea. Ty, I mean... You know, we, we started working together and became acquaintances and then friends, and I didn't know you have a white wife. Yeah. Yeah. I well. mean, right, so so people are going to be out there and go, oh, typical black guy, blah, you don't know what the white, blah, blah. Listen, you have to deal with both, right, black and white issues. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, and, and then I get to- told I'm not black enough because oh, I have a white wife. That, that also happens, too. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I, I don't really care about that, but the, the thing is, though, when people – see us out it's it, you know we get the looks we don't care um and and actually there but to be honest with you more often than not she's the one who ends up upset because she notices something or uh, something that's a little off uh, if, if you if we have time for a quick example sure we were at a museum uh in philadelphia the constitution center where the liberty bell and everything is and yeah, um, we've been there yeah, yeah and we're walking up the steps after we pay for our passes, and we're walking up together, and she was maybe a step ahead of me or whatever. I was trailing behind. And the security guard comes and says, stops us and says, excuse me, sir, can I see your pass? So I have to get it from her purse. I show it to him, fine. She responds, do you need to see my pass? His response was no. And <laughs> oh, see, now that for, like, set me off. Wow. Now, for me, that's a, that kind of stuff happens regularly. Like, that's not a big deal right. for me. So right. I was like, oh, whatever. She would, it kind of almost ruined her time. We had to, like, sit down for a second so for her to regroup. And she's like, that's the kind of stuff. I was like, I was like what? That's, that's nothing. She's like, what do you mean that's nothing? She's like, why do you want to see my pet? Why do you, we're both walking up the steps. And she's, like, asking all these logical questions. I was like, it's not logical. We think I broke into a museum? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, there might be. Did you see the Liberty Bell? Yeah, right. I broke in. Yeah, that was what I, no, Ty, and you're right. I'm not saying even that, that it matters that much from your perspective. I just mean you don't know who or what people are if you're just saying there's that Black Lives Matter person. There's that conservative radio talk show host. There's that black guy. There's that white guy, whatever. Um, we don't always know. Let's go to the phone now. I believe we got a protester calling in from Atlanta. Yeah, we have Anita on the line from Atlanta. Anita, how are you doing this evening? 
Oh, she's still oh, she's still coming in. Okay. By the way, if you want to join us, protester or not, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. That's eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. We'd love to hear from you specifically if you're seeing any of the uh, protests going on for whatever reason anywhere in America to give us an update. Again, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. We have seen some unfortunate incidences after Dallas last night um, in Tennessee. Uh, Missouri and Georgia, there were some police officers shot. Let's go to Nita now. Anita, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing well. Are you in Atlanta? Yes, I am. And are you at a protest, part of a protest, just seeing a protest? Uh, we had a protest in Atlanta at the new Civil Rights Museum that started at about 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it just wrapped up with the majority of the crowd has started to leave. So I'm actually at the okay. MARTA station about to go back to my house. And what was uh, what was the purpose of the gathering? It was uh, to protest the two recent um, shootings, well, actually three recent shootings. There was one out in California of a Hispanic male, 19 years old, that was shot mm-hmm. by a police officer that's not getting any media coverage. And then um, the guy down in Baton Rouge and then the one that was in uh, Minnesota. So it was uh, basically a protest, you know, mm-hmm. letting people know that We've seen the video. People are upset by the video, and the, the, it has to stop. Would, would it be um, along the lines of a Black Lives Matter protest? Is that what you're talking about? Something like that? Well, it was, a, it, it was a joint. It was Black Lives Matter, and it was also the NAACP Atlanta okay. chapter there as well. But it was a very diverse group of people. I actually saw people uh, that were wearing gang attire, so there were Bloods there. There were Crips sure. there. There were Black Panthers. Um, there, so it was a mix, and then there were Black Lives Matter people, then just regular, ordinary people there as well. I'm not a member of Black Lives Matter or the NAACP, um, but I'm just frustrated that uh, I understand. Anita, so. I am a I am a conservative radio talk show host. I um, I'm not a progressive. I'm not a liberal, and uh, I'm somebody that's over the last couple of days have become so frustrated because we're so divided. I know we have to do something different. We all get angry, and then we go to our camps, and we never communicate. What do I need to know? Speak personally from your heart. What am I not hearing that I need to understand? I'm willing to listen. Well, even myself, um, I, I'm an Army veteran, uh, active duty paratrooper out of Fort Bragg. I moved to Georgia, and I live out in the suburbs of Gwinnett County. And I've gotten pulled over by the local police department in some of the nicer neighborhoods for no reason at all, no moving violation, no vehicle violation, just pulled over for no reason. And I, when I asked, I mean, one time there was a cop here, and I said, well, why am I being pulled over? And he's, oh, if you want to mouth off, and you can get out the car. And I said, I don't understand why I'm being pulled over. And, and then he actually got me out the car and made me sit on the curb, and he just kept trying to chastise me and, was asking me questions. What are you doing over here? Well, I just came to visit somebody. Who'd you go see? Why are you here? Whose car is this? Um, things of that nature. And, you know, I got upset by it because I said, I don't understand why I'm being pulled over. Did I do something wrong? If not, you need to let me go. And he's like, hey, if you keep mouthing off, I'll take you to jail. And I said, well, fine, take me to jail. And I'll bail myself out and then I'm going to sue you because I didn't do anything. So it's not, uh, I think, um, and I have a diverse group of friends. I have Caucasians and Hispanics in my family. Uh, my great-grandfather is Caucasian. Well, he's deceased now, but he was Caucasian. But I think that maybe mainstream America doesn't realize that people of color are actually harassed by some police department. 
Anita, no can you reason. hang? Can you hang on one second? We got to take a break. It'll only be about five minutes, and then we'll come back, and I'll give okay. you plenty of time. I really want to hear more from you. Okay, so hang on one second. It's Doc and Skip on the Blaze Radio Network talking about the summer of violence. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. You're listening to a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe talking about what we hope will not become the summer of violence, but we're off to a pretty bad start. Anita, before the break, was explaining um, that she was at uh, one of the protests tonight in Atlanta saying that Alton Sterling and Castile and another gentleman of California, um, it's time people stand up and say some of these shootings are wrong. And she was explaining what it's like. Anita, we're really trying to do something different and just listen to people and say, although we may be different and although we may have different ideas, we're never even going to know if we have common ground because we don't listen to one another anymore. Yep, I agree with that. Everyone's just talking at each other and not, uh, not very many people are actually listening. Uh, everybody's uh, fighting and um, arguing their position and their view, and there's no middle ground. There's no compromise. Anita, do you feel, and you told us the story about being pulled over, when you're targeted, when you believe you are, are profiled, do you believe, or does it, is it just now always a constant anger and stress underneath where you, it's always in the back of your mind? Well, uh, I've been pulled over when I've done something wrong. So it's mm-hmm. only when I've been pulled over that I know I didn't do anything wrong that I'm, you know, why did I get pulled over and I'm upset about it because I know I didn't do anything. I mean, I've never been arrested out and breaking any laws. I've gotten probably two speeding tickets in the last 20 years. But other than that, you know, the other time, and it was repeated. It wasn't just a one-time incident. I had a newer BMW that my husband, ex-husband and I worked very hard to pay for. And I guess they assumed I shouldn't have that car. So I got pulled over quite a bit. And, it, and my children were terrified. You know, they, they're not because of recent events. This was probably three, the last three or four years before all of these uh, shootings started right. occurring by police officers. And my children are like, no, what did you do? Why are you getting pulled over? It's a traumatic experience for them as well. So does it just does it just make you frustrated and angry? Is that how you spend your day then? No, I don't spend my day frustrated and angry. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a happy person. Um, I, I'd say over the last uh, three or four years, it seems like the country is more divided than it used to be. Um, but no, I don't spend my day angry. I'm bothered because I do have a black male son and I've already had a conversation with him since he was at the age of seven that, you know, that if you're pulled over by by the police, don't ask any questions, keep your hands where they can see them. Don't ask why. And if they take you to jail, don't resist and say you didn't do anything wrong. Just go to jail and mom and dad will come get you out. Not worth you getting shot or beaten up Mm -hmm. over something. So um, it's, it's, it's more uh, trying to come. So it's more sad to me that I have to have that conversation with him, but I feel it's a reality that, that he needs to be aware of. Anita, it's, it's interesting. Um, you're still with us, right? Yes. 
Okay, I'm gonna wait on the next train. Oh, that's oh, thank you, thank you for being with us. Um, no, we we've been trying to to talk about these things that maybe we don't understand about one of the other and one of the uh, one another. And this is something as a as a white male that I'm not sure people uh, of color minorities understand is it pains me to the core and angers me in ways I can't even imagine when I am lumped in and assumed to be a racist on any level when, when, and and sadly now after years of racial divide, when I hear some racial issues come up and I think it's a little boy who cried wolf or something like this, I just, I get such a headache. I get so stressed out because I know I treat people good and I'm, I'm not a racist. Has, has that ever crossed your mind that that's what a lot of people in my circle, a lot of people I know, a lot of white people, how frustrating it is? Has that ever crossed your mind? That has crossed my mind. Uh, that that has. Um, that I don't feel that the majority of black people think just that a white person is a racist just because they're white. There's a certain segment of the black population that feels that way. I mean, before I uh, – what I want to say is before we can even – um, address black and white relations really amongst black people. We have some stuff we need to work on within our own community, the division within our own community. We're very divided. We divide ourselves based on education and not education and blue collar and white collar and go into a HBCU school and go into an Ivy League school or predominantly wow. white school and who you who your friends are and what neighborhood you live in. Do you still live in the ghetto or did you move to the suburbs because you're doing better? What type of church you go to? So we have our own division amongst ourselves, but I think that's a misconception by that uh, a lot of white people have that all black people think white people are racist. I don't mm-hmm. believe that. I have several friends and colleagues and we don't believe that. And I've actually said that to some of my black friends even at work you know maybe that person just doesn't like you because they don't like you and it actually has nothing to do with you being a woman and it has nothing to do with you being black i just know that's not how i was raised some people may not like you just because they don't like you and it has nothing to do with the color of your skin your religion your sexual preference or anything um but i know that not all black people think all white people are racist i think there is a a segment of the black population and, and some um, poverty stricken black people do feel that way, but that's a whole another conversation, yeah. you know, yeah. Of why they feel that way and why they think that government mm-hmm. benefits are great for them and they don't have any aspirations to do any better. So that's part of the division that we have as a black people together. Those that think, Oh, government assistance and food stamps and welfare and section eight, is great and keep politicians in office that give us those type of benefits. And then there are those of us who feel, no, that's keeping you down. It's keeping you in poverty. It's keeping you in a single parent household and it's keeping you divided. So, you know, it's within the black community ourselves, we have our own issues before they need to be fixed. But I do think some white males and females are actually afraid of black people. They already as soon as they see them, I, I see it because I work in a nice area in Buckhead, across from Lenox Mall. Not so much now, but when I first started working there and women were out on the streets, if I walked by, they'd actually grab their purse or turn, like, you know, mm-hmm. which, whatever. doesn't. I mean, I've served in the military with everybody, different races, and we. Are, I just don't see people that way even before. I grew up in Connecticut in a very diverse community, Italians and Jews and Polish and 
everything, you know, I, I, that's just not how I was raised, but I know there are some black people um, that feel that way. But I think part of the problem is, um, one, supposedly we all have a Second Amendment right to bear arms. However, uh, a black man carrying a gun is a threat. And it's a, it seems like it's assumed that he's going to automatically shoot you if he's carrying a gun or if he says, I got a gun in the car, that he's going to haul off and blow your brains out, which may not be the case just because he had a weapon doesn't mean he was going to use the weapon. Um, but I but I go back into media, and I've had conversations about this, the way African Americans are portrayed in mainstream media. And I was talking about this on my Facebook page. Unfortunately, what's seen on TV in movies sometimes is the only exposure some white people may have to black people. And, and these stereotypical images are being shown over and over and over again. It doesn't represent the entire population, but that's what's been shown. So people already have an assumption of that some people are like that, and that's not the majority of us. But, hey, I tell stop watching the damn show. If you're not going to stop watching the show, you're still going to get ratings. You're still going to get media, you know, advertising dollars, and then mm-hmm. they're going to pitch another show just like it because that show made them money. So stop That's watching right. the show. So it's it's a, it's a lot of issues we have within our own black community that need to be addressed. Anita, we um, you know, you mentioned um, uh, Philando Castile, and um, he was a he was a concealed carry holder, right? And right, there may be some some good that comes out of the awful around his death, and that is that that's going to force and already has a lot of conservative people who are primarily Second Amendment supporters to to put two things together, you know, that would maybe conflict, where they may automatically, you know, lean with police officers that obviously did something wrong, it's not racist, whatever, and then say, well, wait a minute, but he was a concealed carry and he was told to go, you know, to get his license and all, you know what I mean? It maybe it will force them to realize that, yes, at times police officers do act badly. Yes. I'm I'm hoping that's the case. Let me ask you one more thing, Anita, before I let you go. Um, I think some of the way forward with, with this is, as I said, first of all, we have to listen to one another and we have to understand it. And we lead with love because love leads to communication, you know, trust and communication. And then we can, you know, move on and try to find common ground from there. But I think part of it has to be humor. Anita, we have to laugh at ourselves and we have to laugh at each other as long as it's good-natured. I think that's got to be key to the foundation to be able to joke with one another. I agree. I think being able to joke with one another and uh, have a diverse group of associates and friends, Mm -hmm. you don't uh, don't always have to talk to and associate with and speak to people who look just like you. It's okay to have a broad... Um, base of of associates and friends and stuff like that. But Anita, um, um, my, there there is a big yeah. segment of the African American community now that feels like we need to separate ourselves and not care about um, peace and everyone living in harmony. They 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 want separation and they think that the uh, desegregation was a mistake and we were better off wow. when we were segregated. Wow. So wow, that's that's just crazy. And and the the, the self segregation now, Anita, with cultural appropriation, the claims of that. I don't understand that. I mean, I'm, I really like a lot of different foods and music and, and cultures around the world. And now you're telling me, well, we used want to, to celebrate self- these, right? Things. That's, that's wrong. Yeah, I agree. But I think, uh, there's a movement in the country that that's the way a lot of, uh, black, black people are going. 
Well, I hope that not. this isn't I, working. I really... this, that this isn't this isn't working. So we should go back to segregation. Well, I, I I hope that that we can stop that because I want people to know that's not what I'm looking for, and I do want to celebrate diversity. I I do enjoy diverse food and cultures. I I really do. I enjoy it. Anita, thanks so much for sharing tonight with us. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great night. I think that was that was good to hear her explain those things. Yeah. Well, and I think um. I think a lot of people out there protesting at these these Black Lives Matters protests honestly believe that people like you and me, Doc, don't care about Sterling and Castile. Like, if, if I could express to them how much those two events deeply and personally affected me. They did. They really Even got before the Dallas yeah. shooting last night. I don't know why these ones hit me particularly hard. Um, I, I think the girl in the back of the seat uh, really with, with Castile, I mean— I cannot express how much that broke my heart. Because you're human. Because yeah. I'm human. But, 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 but I think a lot of these people at these protests would be surprised to hear that. You know what, though, uh, Ty, you're right about that, about being human. Often we look at people as, and, and news stories as numbers as opposed to human. I'm not even saying we think people are subhuman or you're not worth the time. I don't mean that. I mean, we're just busy and you hear a number of veterans killed themselves and it's just a number or... Somebody was shot, and yeah, that's bad. And sometimes something happens that triggers that response where it snaps you back and says, it's human. For Skip, it was the little girl I could tell. I think that's what really brought it all back. Yeah, and and I think one thing that definitely um, led to some of the issues was while we're watching the video and and every black person and and I think most white people had a reaction like just like Skip or myself or or you, then, then there was already articles written saying, hey, this isn't so bad. Look how many white people got <laughs> shot by cops. Well, right, I mean, they're right. all over. I mean, and I don't want to talk about yeah. whether it's here, Fox, or anywhere on the right. There's, you could just Google any of them. It's the, here's an article of why what you just saw twice in two two days in a row isn't so bad. Yeah, and, and that, that's and that and that's the wrong. And I and I understand why they did that. They're they're letting you know it's it's not just blacks, but maybe it was bad timing. You're not going to win any fans. Yeah, that's thing. It, because. Cause, well, yeah, because it discounted it, Ty. It's saying that's not bad as opposed to that's bad, and then at some point this is also bad. You know, it's it's that case-by-case case thing. Right, and and I don't think – and I, it seemed like people were numb to it, like, oh, oh, who cares? I mean, listen, he must have did something. Like, why? Why did he must have did something? And and that that's how it came off, and it – it, it it troubled me, and I am conservative, and it still troubled me, that we were rushing out these, see, why are you upset? Look at these stats. Here's yeah. a math problem for you. That'll make you feel better when you need a hug. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's a, that's a great point, that's a great... and that's valid, and, you're, and I, I think that's wrong. I think people, to put out an article like that at that time is just blatantly wrong. Even if your stats are accurate, there's a time and a place for things. And yeah. that is not the time or the place. And, and that's just how it felt. And and I'm not saying that anything written in those weren't actual st- stats, but I didn't need statistics when yeah, I'm upset well. about two. I, I saw on the Internet two people die. I'm not used. This is not a movie. This is real life. I didn't go to war. I haven't seen that many people die in front of me. I saw two in two days. And now I get a math problem. You, you're, right. you're not my friend mm-hmm. if you're presenting that to me. You're not my friend. You don't care about me 
because I need a hug. I need you to tell me this is okay, not that it's not a big deal. Tell me this isn't going to happen again. Be my friend. A word problem, a math problem, you're not my friend. You're right. You need you need that moment, and I think everyone can understand that. Even think think about it as a parent, Ty. If if a, if a kid does wrong, um, and you know it's wrong, and you're going to still use it as a teachable moment, you're still going to lend them a helping hand at that moment. You know, you're still gonna you're still gonna help them, right? So you know, there's there's a time and place for it. We were we were talking with Anita about that, and and I don't I don't lead a lot. Most people know my wife is Asian, but. Um, I don't I don't like to bring that up and some of the other diversity in my family talk about race because I don't want to have to prove myself. Um it, it doesn't matter to me and every once in a while I, I will bring it up. I have a slew of nieces and nephews that are Hispanic. I have a niece who is black. My wife is Asian. We are part Native American. I mean it just goes on and on. But my niece, who is black, is now a young adult. She's in her 20s. And when she was born, it was under very odd and stressful circumstances. It's such a great little story. I was working in Las Vegas years ago, 20-whatever years ago. And my brother comes out to visit me shortly before Christmas. And he gets an emergency call at the hotel prior to common cell phones. Message in the hotel room, call home immediately. He calls home, and he tells me about our other one of our other sisters, one of our sisters, that she is in the hospital because her water broke. And she was a married woman with several kids, and I was like, "She's pregnant." Nobody knew she was pregnant. Well, she began to have an affair with with a man she worked with, who happens to be black, and of course, having an affair it led to her marriage breaking up, and so on and so forth, but. And she eventually had the baby. And they went over to that little window. <laughs> There's the baby. Everybody was like, huh. Because they didn't know who she was having an affair with, Ty. So, yeah. huh. Huh. Well, the baby <laughs> looks a little bit dark there. I, it's a, huh. And it eventually comes out. The man is black. The baby is half black. And my father... I got together with a couple months later when he came to visit in Vegas. This was the baby was a few months old. And he tells me the story of seeing the baby. And you got to understand, my father was raised in a very different time West where Virginia. West Virginia, where there were some racial divides. And although, you know, not out keeping people down by race or anything like this, there was still a definite line. And you didn't marry or have children with people outside your race. I mean, this was just standard. So he tells me the story, and he says, you know, when I first saw that baby, when I first met her, I didn't know if I could love her. What an odd thing to say. Yeah. To even hear, to think. Imagine thinking that. That must be been difficult for him to process those feelings. Yeah. As, as an adult that old, and he tells me this, and then he says, but you know, I found out I can and it just doesn't matter. Now, this girl was raised by primarily her father then and her father's family <clears throat> under some pretty awful circumstances. And my parents rescued her as a older child, young teenager. And she lived with them and they raised my parents because my sister screwed up too. 
She had she ended up she ended up with the benefit of two screwed up parents, both black and white. My sister was screwed up and her husband and her father was screwed up. And my parents rescued her and they raised her and they tried to teach her right and wrong. And my father, in his final final year tie, had her around taking care of him. She was one of the prime people that took care of him. One of his only grandchildren who put that much time and effort into it, even though many of them, you know, have their own lives and jobs now and money and could have spent time. And she was the one there taking care of him. Wow. And her baby, because she has a child, was just the apple of my dad's eye. Just, he was, her son is one of the ones that kept him getting up and, and being okay every day. We're going to do our best to try to bring people together and unite people in the coming years. I think we're pretty much done here. Are we done here, Ty, coming up? Yeah, we're about, yeah, we're All wrapping right. up. We're going to wrap this up. But if you would, please donate to the Police Officers Fund to help the officers in Texas, mercuryone.org. And coming up in the coming weeks, Skip and I, along with Glenn Beck and theblaze.com, we're going to do everything we can to hear people. I'm not changing my values. I'm willing to share them with you, and I'll explain them to you at some point. But I'm going to lead with love, and I'm going to listen. I will listen. Will you join me? Will you sit down with me? That's all we got left. The chasm is getting wider. Which side will you be on? Protests are continuing now in Atlanta, also Louisiana. They're starting to heat up. So if you're out there tonight, be safe. Be smart. Be safe. Lead with love. Can stay tuned to the Blaze Radio Network, theblaze.com, for continuing coverage. We'll break in if there's anything significant to report. And hopefully we all get through this night with no violence. Doc and Skip on the Blaze Radio Network. God bless you. More of this special presentation continues next on the Blaze Radio Network.